0: Welcome to episode 87 of Breakout Culture. I'm Charlotte Metcalf. I am the associate editor
1: at Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Ed Faisley, none other than the culture editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. So as we move towards October, it's the month of literary festivals. We've got the Cheltenham Literary Festival, the sort of granddaddy of the lot, opening on October the 7th for a full 10 days, right through to Sunday the 16th. There's a small but perfectly formed I do love it the Clifton Literary Festival 15th and 16th of October Alan de Botton called it the most dignified and beautiful literary festival on the planet but it is a lot of fun then there's Petworth which starts on the 29th of October we've covered all those festivals on the podcast before and we can highly recommend all of them and uh, if that's not enough you can basically go on tour you can go to Braemar, Henley, North Cornwall, Harrogate, Stratford And indeed, London on the South Bank, the London Literary Festival, takes place between 20th and 30th of October.
0: With so much going on, it was very difficult to decide which festivals to feature. But what really caught our eye was the collaboration going on between Hay Festival and the Lviv Book Forum. Given Ukraine's in the middle of a massive war, it seemed miraculous that a literary festival could be going ahead there. But indeed it is, and its mission is to bring the truth about Ukraine to the world with the help of culture, which we applaud, of course, on this podcast. One of the people who's contributing to the Lviv Book Forum is the well-known KC, Professor Philippe Sands, author of the highly acclaimed East West Street and the Rat Line and now his new book, A Last Colony. He's here to tell us about what he's going to be talking about at the festival. But first, all the way from Lviv in Western Ukraine is the courageous and undaunted programme director herself, Sophia
2: Chelyak. Hello, Sofia. Hello, it's a big pleasure to be here with you.
1: So it's a really pleasure for us, actually, Sophia, and a very warm welcome. It's incredible that you are doing a book festival, given what the appalling situation uh, and what is happening in Ukraine. It is actually, obviously, the 29th edition of the Lviv Book Forum. It is Ukraine's biggest literary festival. Given the current situation, you can't go ahead in the same fashion. But thankfully, along with Hay, you've still got some amazing people coming. You've got Margaret Atwood coming. You've got Yuval Noel Harari coming. Elif Shafak has been on this podcast. Philip Sounds, Misha Glenny, Margaret Macmillan. So tell us, first of all, how Hay got involved, but also how you're doing this year's festival, given what's happening in Ukraine.
2: Hey! Festival is our digital partner and together we are creating like fantastic program I must tell that it's like one of the most brilliant program we have ever made. Uh, So this year we are focusing of course on war. Uh, We are focusing on Ukraine and together with Hey! who are going to broadcast the events for all over the world in different languages I have never heard about the festival in a country where war is going on but people People take the responsibility on the future democracy of the world and are ready and are courageous enough to talk about this and to answer Maybe sometimes uncomfortable questions, but trying to uh, find the answer how to stop this. Where is it being held? Basically, we now, is really safe city and we are really glad to have some uh, internationals and some Ukrainians coming here. But some of them are going to uh, participate digitally, and, but we are really appreciate all of them are doing the incredible impact on, on supporting Ukraine and helping us to promote Promote and to give the voice to our visions and to our problems. Lviv
1: is the uh, city closest to Polish border, isn't it? And, yes, um, yes. Although, although it hasn't been as badly affected as other parts of Ukraine, it was still being hit by Russian missile strikes. So you are still in an age of war on the front line.
2: Yeah, it, we were attacked, but it was like the last attack, it was a few months ago. But of course, we are really care about security of our gas and the events are going to be broadcasted from the bomb shelter. We are like trying to protect our gas as much as it can be. So you said, very interestingly, that Ukraine has been built by women
0: in the post-Soviet era. So um, you're very, very keen on your woman's talk, which Emma Graham Harrison of The Guardian is going to be taking part in. Um, tell us about that
2: talk. The main aim of this discussion is to talk about the role of females around the world and how Ukrainians are changing this role. Uh, so in this talk, Larissa Denisenko is going to participate. She's Ukrainian writer and authority and now she's working with uh, women being raped and being harmed by the Russian soldiers. So she's collecting these uh, stories and she's working on uh, making a case for the future tribunal. Okay. Emma Graham Harrison, she's going to present her vision of a Ukraine situation. So you're talking about Emma Graham Harrison from The Guardian? No, she was travelling through the Afghanistan and the situation in Afghanistan is also uh, with women is also terrible. We really hope that they are strong enough to have a chance to have their voice in the situations. situation. Also, Lydia Kacha, she's a journalist, she's from Mexico, and uh, she's also the feminist. So she's going to give her vision on the movement from the Latin America perspective. And maybe uh, we're going to have one secret guest if she won't be at the field. Karina Chernohus, Ukrainian poet. But now she is a soldier of Army Forces. We really hope she'll connect us uh, via Zoom. And she is really excited to tell about the situation with female in Ukrainian Army Forces.
0: What is uh, Margaret
2: Atwood? Going to be talking about the talk with uh, Yuri Prochasko, Ukrainian psychotherapist, and uh, they're going to talk about it going. It's, it will be a special presentation of her works for Ukrainians because of here, like, there are a lot of fans of Margaret Atwood, and a lot of people are really excited to have uh, her within the Ukrainian festival program. Of course, like, it's for sure it will be some political statements because of like all the talks here, like, within the festival. Uh, like all the talks about Ukraine, having political statements, but yeah, uh, it will be the presentation of her books and her works for Ukrainians. Are they tra- all translated? The majority, yeah. So, what about Elise Shafak? She has uh, the public talk with Katerina Kalitko. Uh, Katerina Kalitko, she is Ukrainian writer and uh, poet and translator. And Katerina is really focused on the Balkan and Turkey culture, and uh, she's really known with all the specialities and she is a translator from a Bosnian language so they're also going to talk about Elif's book they are translated in Ukraine
0: is that the book the recent one about Cyprus the island with the, of the missing trees that she's presenting
2: yeah yeah and also like we are going to talk about her previous book because Elif has never been to Ukraine and she has never presented her book in Ukraine and it will be the first time like Ukrainian festival hosting her within its program
0: Oh, well, lucky Ukrainians are in for a treat. <laughs> yeah.
2: Henry Marsh, the
0: neurosurgeon who wrote Do No Harm and, and many other books, who's written extensively about all the work he's done in Ukraine. He's taking part, but he, he hasn't been very well, has he? And he's very publicly talked about not being very well. So is he coming in person?
2: Yes. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of detective story of his invitation because of he has written to Philip Sands with some questions and Philip told him that the festival is going on in VIV and Henry like he's been to our festival like I don't know maybe like more than five times and uh, Henry uh, became so excited to be here during the festival so we've created this event with Rachel Clark also doctor and they're coming together to support Ukraine to meet people to meet their publisher their publisher uh, is He's preparing the books, especially for this event. So, yeah, this is incredible. But, yeah, we are going to have Henry here.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Someone else who spent an awful lot of time in Ukraine is Philip Sands, who's here with us too. Hello.
2: Morning.
3: Lovely to join you.
0: Well, it's great to have you with us, especially as I so enjoyed East West Street.
1: which
3: Me too.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just taught me so much about Lviv and really brought it to life. So you must be thrilled that this book festival is going ahead in its bomb
3: shelter against all odds. Well, I'm I'm thrilled and I'm slightly anxious, to be honest. I'm thrilled because I've come to love Lviv when I went in 2010. Actually, the first time I was invited to give a lecture on the cases that I do on crimes against humanity and genocide, it came from the law faculty of Lviv and I had never heard of Lviv and it took me a little moment on Google to work out that it was Lemberg where my grandfather was born and Lvov and Leopoli, and it's all the same place. But of course now, for the saddest of reasons, 12 years on, everyone in the world Knows where Lviv is. I love the city, it's an extraordinary city. The centre is unchanged, it's as it was in the 20s, in the 30s, undamaged by a war after war. Relatively, but of course, once again, now a hundred years after my granddad left, as the Russians approached, once again, it's a sort of city of refugees and and anxious about its future.
0: Oh well, you've written a new book, haven't you? Which your is um the last colony, which is not this time about Lviv. Um, you're going to be talking about that at the festival.
3: East West Street was translated into Ukrainian three years ago, so that'll be the centre of gravity. The Rat Line, which is the sequel to East West Street, is in the process of being translated, but... The wonderful translator was sent off to the Eastern Front and is in the Donbass region fighting for the Ukrainian army. He's a wonderful individual. But I've just had word this week that he's been given a few days off to come back to the festival, and so I will spend time with him. You know, in these kinds of things, translators are incredibly significant people, and in his case, a deeply courageous individual. The last colony has not been, obviously, yet translated into Ukrainian. It's out in English and in French. It's about as far from Lviv as you could possibly imagine. It's a place in the Indian Ocean called the Chagos Archipelago, uh, and it's a case I've been doing for about 12 years. When I was asked by the Prime Minister of Mauritius to lead the team to recover islands that were unlawfully separated from the colony of Mauritius back in the mid 1960s. And that has succeeded in the sense that we have now not one but two international judgments, decisions ruling that Chagos belongs to Mauritius. And the only thing that remains is to persuade our wonderful British government to uh, implement the international decisions, which they're having some difficulty doing. But I am. Actually, I may surprise you, vaguely optimistic. The central aspect of this case, of course, is not just ownership of islands, but the bigger, even bigger issue, which is the fact that 2,000 human beings were forcibly deported. From those islands scattered to the four corners of the earth, Seychelles, Mauritius, and Crawley, and they want to go back. And they have the right to go back, and it is only the United Kingdom that is stopping them now from going back, which is a real problem. You may ask yourself, what on earth has this got to do with Ukraine? I'll just give you one line on that. You will have noticed that no African countries are supporting the United Kingdom's efforts, and I'm fully with the United Kingdom's efforts on Ukraine, but no African countries are supporting it. And one of the reasons for that is that when the The Honourable Representatives of the United Kingdom ask for support. They say, really, you want us to support your efforts to stop the unlawful occupation of the territory of Russia, of Ukraine by Russia, while you are unlawfully occupying part of the territory uh, of Africa? Go away, leave us alone, sort yourselves out and come back when you sorted ourselves out. But these things are all interconnected in the world outside the, the London bubble.
1: And I obviously don't want to dwell on this because we're really talking about the Lviv Book Festival. Why won't the government see the um, the righteousness of your cause and why do you think they might move under the new prime minister?
3: And one of the things I have loved about being a British barrister doing international cases around the world is that the United Kingdom, when it comes to issues about the rule of law, warts and all, has a really terrific reputation. We support international courts, we support international judges, and something has gone wrong in the system. and that damages. Britain's brand, and it damages our role as barristers, frankly, because one of the things that we have is our ability to trade off this sense that British law is independent, it's respectful of judgments, decisions, so on and so forth. Why are they willing to sacrifice that? I think at the end of the day, it's no more than hubris. It's also the last British colony in Africa, so it really is the end of a moment. It's the last colony that Britain ever created, so it's symbolic in a sense. But I think the reason things are going to change is that this Truss, who in her previous job, was Foreign Secretary, had sent pretty clear signals that she realised this needed to be sorted out in a way that protects the United Kingdom's security interests, that respects the rights of the Chagossians, respects Mauritian sovereignty, and frankly allows the two countries to work together on taking forward a, a decent and proper and lawful conservation area. So there's a win-win-win uh, out of all of this. I don't think it makes any sense to drag their feet.
1: And you're doing your talk with Victoria Amelina, who's a Ukrainian novelist and human rights activist.
3: I am. I don't know her. I know she's from Lviv. She's written a couple of books that seem to be of great interest. They're not, unfortunately, translated into English. I've been sent extracts from the books. So it's always a bit delicate when you're doing a conversation with someone where they have read you, but you haven't read them because you don't really know where it is you're coming from. So in terms of Lviv being on a panel with Torre whose writings I don't know, I have this time read myself into what I can get my hands on. She's a local. She's interesting. She's spent time in North America. She seems highly articulate and focused. And of course, she's far better placed than I am to talk about the life of the city and the city's situation in times of war. Lviv has known war in extraordinary ways. There's one moment I describe it in East West Street, when in November 1918, the city of Lviv changed hands four times in a single month. In the first month, it was part of Austria. In the second month, it was part of the Western short-lived Western Ukrainian Republic. In the third month, it was Austrian again, and in the fourth month, it was Polish. And that trauma of changing hands between 19... 19- 18 and 1945, the city of Lviv changed hands eight times, and that leaves a long trauma in a population and in a city—a sort of sense of identity. Who are we? What you know? Are we Polish? Are we Austrian? Are we Russian? Are we Ukrainian? Are we Jewish? Are we Catholic? Are we Greek-Russian Orthodox? I mean, it's an extraordinary, complex place. So I'm sure I'll be talking about that with Victoria, who, uh, who, of course was born and grew up there.
0: You've got three other panels that you're talking on, aren't you? And I think what's really remarkable about this festival is how little we know of Ukrainian literature. I mean, you know, talking to Sphere, I mean, these names are utterly unfamiliar to us. They
3: are, and I have to say they're still mostly unfamiliar to me. I mean, the writer that I know best... Just to give a heads up, he's got a new, an extraordinary book out. I've been given advance proofs of Andrei Kurkov's Diary of an Invasion. He is Ukraine's leading writer today. Uh, he's going to be, I think, zooming into the festival, not coming in person. Um, but he is going to be in London on the 25th of October, and I will be interviewing him in London about his account of the Ukrainian invasion. It's complex. Andrei writes in Russian, and you have in Ukraine this extraordinary complexity about language and identity. Many families are divided. You have a, you know, a Russian dad, a Ukrainian mom, or vice versa, which in this time of conflict spills out into all aspects of life, including questions of literature. And that, I think, will be a very big theme of the festival. And Ukraine is a complex country. It's, in a sense, it's not a single country. It's vast. It's, 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 it's about a thousand miles. I mean, it's just huge. And you've got the Western part, which is highly nationalist. Lviv is the centre of it. Actually, aspects of a nationalism that are very unattractive. One's got to say that. It, you know, there's a film that I made... BBC Storyville documentary back in 2014 called My Nazi Legacy, What Our Fathers Did. And the film leads up to a point where just outside Lviv, in the summer of 2014, I, together with the sons of a couple of very senior Nazis, both of whom figure in East Street, attend the annual ceremony celebrating, commemorating the creation of the Waffen-SS Galicia division. And so I find myself in a field with hundreds of people dressed up in Waffen-SS uniforms. That is not the dominant view in Western Ukraine, but those kind of folk are around there. And so... You know, it gives fuel to the kind of statements by Putin that the country is full of Nazis. Actually, it's not. But there is a complex history and there is a complex present. And I think rather than run away from that, we have to recognise that. But as you move eastwards to Kiev and beyond, the situation changes. And there are many, many more people who feel close, warm and cosy, to the Russian bear. And so that is a fracture in the construction of... The country. And I think we need to be aware of it. I think the West must not be pulling Ukraine into too close an embrace. I think that is a problem. But equally, the Russians need to recognise that Ukraine is no longer part of their orbit. I think of it as a transition country. It's It's neither East nor West. So these things are never quite black and white, except that some things are black and white, and the war was manifestly, is manifestly illegal. It's a crime of aggression. War crimes are being committed. Crimes against humanity being perpetrated. It's a terrible story.
0: Well, I mean, the three panels you're going to be on are absolutely fascinating. So one is the idea of Europe with Misha Glennie, and you're, you're on one about war crimes and memory as well, aren't you?
3: I go about twice a year to Lviv. I haven't been since the war started. I was there last year and in Kiev. And it's it's really weird because you come from the United Kingdom, parts of which are celebrating its departure from the European Union, and then arrive, you know, in Western Ukraine and everyone's like, what's going on? We don't understand. We want to be part of the European Union. So... Issues of European identity and how you characterise European identity are, I think, complex. The panel on on memory and identity and war, I think it's deeply connected. I mean, this comes out in East West Street. There is a dark past in this area, and how you engage with that past is complex. I mean, we're speaking around the time of mourning of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, and I think every country has issues in dealing with its past. Uh, Ukraine has issues in dealing with the fact that a large segment of its population was deeply welcoming of Nazi Germany when it occupied large parts of Western Europe. I don't think we can run away from that. That is a fact that happened. It causes a lot of people to say Ukraine is a deeply anti-Semitic country. The curiosity, of course, is it's the only country in the world apart from Israel that has a Jewish president and a Jewish prime minister. So you've got these multitudes of complexities. And I deal with that also in my new book. You know, the last colony. It's a different aspect of dealing with one's past. How does Britain engage with its colonial past? I've already told this story in Ukraine. I went back to my school history book, Geoffrey Treese, This Is Your Century. <laughs> uh, I read that in 1972-73 and um, it had a chapter, I think it's chapter eight, called Sunset on Empire. For example, it began on India and in a comparison between Uh, Viscount Mountbatten, simply magnificent individual, compared with the new leader, described as skinny, vegetarian, pacifist, wearing (laughs) a loincloth and looking... uh, And you're about to stop laughing because I was shocked when I read this, looking a bit like a monkey with glasses. (gasps) I know, I know, I know. I, I was like, oh, my God, what is that about? And that's... I think the point that I make is any community, any country has issues dealing with its past. And I'm very careful when I'm in Ukraine not to go around, you know, lecturing anyone about how they have or have not embraced aspects of their past which are not so glorious. But I think the bottom line, coming back to something I said earlier, and this is really wearing my English pen cap, is we've got to be able to talk about these things Openly, courteously but openly, and address them and and not impose limitations on what can and cannot be said. The heart of this festival, of course, is solidarity because I think everyone who's going and everyone who's participating is outraged by what has happened. That we have war once again in Europe uh, for the first time in, on this scale since the Second World War. It is a disgrace that this is happening, and I I'm going to show my solidarity with Ukraine. I'm going with Henry Marsh, actually, who's already been during the war. And uh, Henry and I are travelling together and uh, he's staying on for 10 days and he's going east uh, to Kiev. I have to be back in London on the 10th, but uh, I was invited to go off to Kiev to meet Mr Zelensky and others. But sadly, I I can't go. um, So that will have to be for another occasion. But it's solidarity. This is about solidarity. We've got to take some risks. Well, what a fantastic note to end on. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me to be on your show. I hope I get to be on it again. I mentioned that only in the sense of uh, I hope I come back from Lviv. So do we. We'll have a welcome home podcast for you. (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. We wish Philippe Sands and Henry Marsh all the luck with their journey. And we still have Sophia with us, who's going to tell us how anyone else feeling intrepid enough might
1: get to the festival. If I wanted to come to your book forum, I would just fly from Europe to Lviv do I go via Warsaw? How does it work?
2: Unfortunately, our our sky is closed for the civil planes because of its danger. Uh, so the way to come to Lviv is quite complicated, but it's a perfect journey. So if you want to have some adventures in Ukraine, you're welcome using car, bus or train. Rain. unfortunately not the planes but we hope uh, like we will win soon and soon you can buy a ticket to ukraine to lviv to kharkiv donetsk and luhansk and crimea
1: so the authors who are actually going to turn up in person are making a yeah. big uh, effort to come
2: yeah But they're really exciting. Like, you know, uh, these kind of people are really want to experience this travel and this being in Ukraine. So yeah, we are, of course, we are helping to manage it and to make it as most comfortable as it can be. But yeah, they really know where are they going i'd love to go because the topics
0: are just so interesting i mean one of the other ones of the topics you have with one of my favorite writers i think peter pomerantsev is taking part in that is on propaganda which is so
2: important given what what the russians are doing because of peter this festival has happened. we've met uh yeah we've met i think it it was the end of march for talk about the situation and about what what we are doing and so on so P- peter asked me why are you not organizing the festival and i answered him something like danger like missiles are flying so on and like he told me like why why why? like you can organize something in a bomb shelter why are you don't organize in the festival so i thought that okay if a uh, peter like person from the united kingdom tell me this And he's not scared about possibility of visiting a festival in Lviv, in Ukraine this year. So maybe it's going it's going to work so yeah and he was helping us curating and this propaganda panel is a panel peter curated by himself totally but the focus of this topic is going to be mm. should the Russia uh, propagandists uh, should they be judged also on the tribunal should we blame them or for this war too and are the criminals too because of propaganda, this war was started and we really hope that after we win, uh, we also win this propagandistic machine. So your
0: belief and most Ukrainians' belief is that propagandists should be
2: prosecuted? Uh, we really want to talk about this. Uh, we, like, we hope they will be because of, we can see uh, the harm they did. What would be the best thing for you... That could come out of this festival. Of course, like I have, uh, like there are smallest uh, hopes that after the festival, a lot of people around the world and Ukrainians will receive the information and knowledges, which will be really helpful to resist propaganda, to understand Ukraine, to open a new region and new brilliant literature with a lot of names that, fortunately, uh, are unknown for the majority of the world. So. Yeah, it's our goal and it's something we are working for.
0: Do you think on the whole that that Europeans generally have any idea what's really
2: happening? It's a really complicated question because of sometimes they are informed, especially people are really close to Ukraine, working with Ukrainians. But on the other hand, uh, Russia, uh, Russia uh, was really powerful, uh, with promoting their culture, their history around the Europe and around the world. So a lot of people are pro-Ukrainian, but say sometimes they don't know the truth. Yeah, they like telling us that we are brotherhood nations, or they're telling us that we are like Slavic brothers and so on. And it's not truth. Ukrainians fighting with. Russians like for all from over and For 100 years, Uh, Russians killed the most brilliant writers and artists uh, for uh, 20 Ukrainian artists and writers in the 20th century. Uh, In the 30s, they were like just uh, shooting them down. After the Second World War, they just imprisoned them. And for example, uh, Vasyl Stus, one of the most brilliant Ukrainian uh, poets, he died in 1982 five in the concentrative camp in gulag and no one could help him so it's a story of a lot of ukrainians even if war hasn't ha- wasn't happened it's like we are like we were living in the fight with uh, for our freedom for our language for our culture for our everything so now it's the time to explain this for europe and explain why this war is so important for democracy excellent
0: enormous good luck with it and we really look forward to tuning in can you just tell us all how we can
2: tune in so uh, all the information you can find at the, our partners uh, website hey festival so uh, they open the registration form and they have the landing page forum live also if Ukrainians are listening to us you can also find all the instructions and all the information at uh, live book forum website you can find book forum in instagram facebook twitter and you can find k festival in facebook tiktok instagram and twitter fantastic thank you so much and good luck
1: thank you Sophia.
2: thank you so much thank you it was a big pleasure to meet you and talk with you and i really hope you will be really fascinated with our events and yeah i really hope they can change something
0: yeah we do too thank you That's all we've got time for this week, but next week we'll be talking about Lucian Freud. The National Gallery is celebrating the centenary of his birth with a landmark exhibition called New Perspectives, bringing together a large selection of his work spanning seven decades. We'll be talking to the curator there, and we're also going to be talking to David Dawson, Freud's assistant and friend, about the moving photographs he took while Freud was at the end of his life now on display at the Hazlitt Holland Hibbert Gallery of St. James's.
1: As usual, you can find us at countryandtownhouse.com. You'll find the latest digital edition of the magazine there, as well as our sister podcast, House guest, Carol Annette, who talks to some of the most fascinating and influential names in interior design. We love your feedback, so we want to hear from you. If there's something you'd like to hear us profiling, please leave a comment or email us on charlotte at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. Take care. Bye.